in prayer. Father, uh, it is through Christ in us. It is by Your grace that we are saved. By Christ who died in our place. It is by Christ who continues to live in us. To change us. Father, we recognize that it's not of ourselves. And so we thank You that, that You've called us to be Your children. We thank You that we have died with Christ to our sin and that we are new in You. Father, I pray that as we, as we open Your Word that You would continue to show us who You are, that You would continue to show us what You would have us do in this life and how You would have us and call us to live. I pray that You would teach us and I pray that You would mold us into Your image, the image of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Please take this time to transform each one of us as we listen to Your Word as we engage our minds and listen and think through what You have to tell us. And Father, I pray that as we, um, our lives are changed, that You would be glorified in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning I'd like to begin by reading our text from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1-3. to The text says this, "...the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave, to, to, gave Him to show to His servants." the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. You know, um, I love a good story. I, I love the, the beauty of, of watching the twists and the turns and, and seeing how, how a story is, is shaped. And, and uh, it's, it's a, a fun experience to, to engage in that story and to be surprised by something and to, to laugh at something and, and to cry at something. And, and it's, it's even even more exciting when you're able to share that experience with those around you. Uh, how many of you enjoy just watching a, a good movie or maybe your favorite TV show and, and to gather around with your friends or maybe your family and, and do so? It's just kind of a, it's a fun experience. Um, however, one of the things that I, I can't stand is, is a horrible spoiler. Anybody with me on that? You ever... You ever um, have your favorite TV show and somebody tells you how it ends before you get the opportunity to watch it. Um, it at one point, it, it, we just, there was this understanding that at 7 p.m. Central Time, your show was going to come on. And so if you wanted to watch your show and you didn't want to be surprised, you watched it when it happened or you, you taped it and then you plugged your ears for however long you needed to. But everybody knew that at that time the show was going to come on and everybody watched it at the same time for the most part. But now with the innovation of all these new media devices, you got Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and all these others, and they keep releasing things. And I've discovered this last year that what they've started to do is they release their, their shows at midnight, at whatever time that they do things. And all the true fans get on at midnight and they stay up until 2 in the morning or 1 in the morning and they, they watch their show. And then when I get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, guess what I find out? I, I turn on my Google feed, or I read my news feed, or I turn on Facebook, and somebody inevitably says, did you see what happened last night? And they let you know everything that happened in your favorite show. 
before you ever get there. And so when you sit down to watch it with your family, you already know what's coming and the ending has been spoiled. And so that enjoyment of knowing what's coming is, well, it's gone. We all hate a horrible spoiler, don't we? You know, my, um, my worst spoiler uh, was, not, was not when um, somebody spoiled something for me, but was when I spoiled something for them. Several years ago, I was asked to be the uh, speaker at a uh, winter retreat for a group from Texas. And uh, they were all skiing, and I got up there a little bit late. And unbeknownst to me, there were two young men from this youth group, high schoolers, that played a lot of football, and they loved college football. The problem was that their ski retreat got scheduled on the weekend that I think it was Texas A&M was playing in the national, the national um, uh, championship for the college, the college title. And so these two young men had resolved that they were going to go skiing, and the entire day they were going to avoid watching TV, they weren't going to listen to radios, and anytime anybody mentioned football, they were going to stick their hands in their ears, and they weren't going to hear a thing because their parents had recorded the national championship for them, and five days later when they got back to Texas, they were going to watch the big game without spoilers, and they were going to enjoy it as if it was happening live. Well, I got there late that day. Yeah, and so I greeted them all, and, and I knew that the national championship had taken place the day before, and it went well for the team. And when I got to the retreat, I said, boy, congratulations, everybody. That was an awesome game. Congratulations to Texas A&M. And these two young men just melted. It ruined their weekend. They, they were, they were, it was spoiled. And so, you know, we, we hate a horrible spoiler. But there is a time for a great spoiler, and today I'd like us to turn to Revelation chapter 1, and as we turn to this last book of the Bible, we discover that God has a plan for telling the end of the story, and as we're going to see it, He spoils the ending for us, but He does so in a way that it's perfect because of three things. You know, oftentimes we, we look, consider the book of Revelation, and, and I hear people talk about studying Revelation together. And we've had a Sunday school class and a, um, a Bible study, a home study group that's gone through Re- Revelation recently, so we're not going to go through the entire book of Revelation in this series, uh, but Revelation is split up into three different parts. The first part is, is chapter one, where it, it's a description of Jesus our Lord. The second part is, is seven letters that were written to seven churches in Asia Minor, and it describes the things that were happening in those churches in that day that John was writing this last book of the Bible. And then the last ch- several chapters, from chapter 4 on, it describes the events to come during the tribulation period and, and, and after, during the millennial reign of Christ, until the end. But you know, oftentimes when we consider the book of Revelation, I hear people talk about it and we make assumptions about this very difficult book. And I, and I hear, people, hear people say, you know, it's It's mysterious. No one can understand the things that, that are in this book. We don't know the things that are going to happen, and, and it's about things that don't really impact my life today, I'll hear some say. But the moment that we open the pages of this incredible book, this last book of the Bible, we're given an introduction that counters all of those objections. And it explains why this book and all of its parts, both the parts that describe Jesus, the parts that describe the seven churches of, of John's day, and the parts that describe things that are still to come, It gives this this introduction that counters those objections and shows that in all of its parts that this book is important for you and me today. It's important that we would hear these words. 
You know, part of the reason that I've, I've chosen to go through these three chapters at this time is, you know, there's, there's a lot of changes happening all around us. Some of you have had changes in your jobs. Some of you have changes in your financial situations. Some of you experienced changes in your, your family. Uh, some of you had personal tragedies as of late. There's a lot of things in our lives where, where life, life is never just perfect, is it? it it's never guaranteed. There's nothing in this life that you go, hey, I know exactly what 2021 is going to look like. God, hasn't, God has not given you that, that promise. We don't know those things. And as life changes around you, oftentimes it's easy for us to lose our perspective on what God has called us to be. And oftentimes we lose our perspective on who it is that we serve. And so as we experience a lot of those changes, I think it's important that as individuals that we're reminded of who our Savior is and who it is that we worship. It's important that we're reminded what He's called us to be. And as a church, as individuals who are followers of Jesus Christ, it is fundamental that, that we keep in mind the things that God has commanded us to do, the things that He's commanded us to be, and what He wants us to know about Himself. As we look at this incredible book, we find first of all the great, a great spoiler the first ingredient for a great spoiler to be good is it has to be told by the right person. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it says, "...the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him to show to His servants." Now, the opening word of the book in the original language, the opening word is apocalypsis. This sounds like something you may have heard of. Ever heard of the apocalypse? And we hear the word apocalypse, and what's the first thing that comes to your mind as the world uses it today? Yeah, what do you think? The end of the world, right? You hear apocalypse and everything's going to blow up. There's going to be a comet, the meteors, everything's gonna, everyone's going to die. We hear the word apocalypse and the first thing that comes to our mind is how the world, world, world uses that word and, and that's the end of the world. But that's not what the word means in the original language. And it's the very first word of this book and that's where we have, sometimes we don't call it revelation, we call it the apocalypse. That's where that comes from. But apocalypse, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean the end of the world. What it means is to disclose something. To make something fully known. It means revelation. You know, this, um, this last Christmas, we all passed gifts and, and presents to one another. And um, as we did so, uh, some of you have a bad habit uh, of sneaking under the tree early and peeking. We have a, have a few here that, that, that tend to do that. I know um, Angie's, Angie's grandmother is the master of this. Um, if you have a, a gift in the house before Christmas and it's wrapped or anywhere, if it's in the house, she will find it. And, and she will unwrap it. And she will do so without you having any idea that she's been there. And she will carefully pull the tape apart. She will peek. She'll look. She'll just open it just a little bit if she needs to, or she'll fully unwrap it sometimes. But she will know what you got her for Christmas no matter what. There's no surprises. There's no uh, keeping the spoiler away. And then she masterfully wraps it back up exactly the way that you had it. And it's, um, it's funny, and, and it's, a, it's a fun game that, that uh, Angie grew up watching with her grandmother. I had a birthday once where my grandfather bought me a gift. And, and it was a gift that I had been wanting for a long time. It was, it was a special toy. And I had been excited about this. I had been asking for this. I didn't think I would ever get this. But, but here was this present, and it was all wrapped up. 
And, and at the critical moment, as I had my hands on the wrapper and I'm ready to open it, one of the kids in the room said, I know what Grandpa got you. It's a... You know, sometimes the spoiler is kind of funny. But, but oftentimes, when revelation and disclosure comes from the wrong person, it becomes altogether inappropriate. Uh, you've all seen the predictions of the future on different tabloid covers and, and on the internet. Uh, there's hoaxes all over the place. And even there's Christian leaders that get really excited about something. And, and, and they get excited about what's going to happen and when Jesus is going to come back. And then they start saying stuff that they don't understand. And they start adding stuff that they've heard here or heard there or they've watched it in the news. And they're interpreting it to be the interpretation. And, and, and even well-intentioned Christians oftentimes take signs in the heavens and signs in politics and all these things. And, and they start making statements. And they they are altogether inappropriate in how they have revealed something in the wrong way. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to give away spoilers and they've messed up the story. But John tells us in the very first verse that God gave Jesus Christ the revelation. You see, Scripture shows us that the triune God is the author of all of Revelation. He chooses His messengers, and He chooses the means by which He is going to communicate it. But all of God's Word, Leviticus, the, the, the genealogies that we start reading through and go, when is this going to end? All of it is revealed and as God revealed it in His timing. And He chooses His messengers and the means by which He's going to communicate it, but all of God's Word is revealed. It comes from God in one form or another. And the final book of Revelation is no exception. We're told here that God gave this revelation to Jesus and it belongs to Jesus to show others. Now specifically, we're told that God the Father gave the revelation to Jesus so He could show His servants. That's you. God wants you to see th these words. It's me. It's the angels of heaven and the apostles who penned the book itself. And, and many people think, well, this, this book, it, it's it's. It was intended for its original audience and it's intended for the people that are going to live in the tribulation. But the meaning of this book, it, it, it's, it, it remains hidden. It's mysterious. But, but that's not what the Bible says. In the very first word, in the very first sentence, God tells us that from the get-go, that this book, Revelation, in all of its parts has been given so that we can understand and know who Jesus is. So that we can understand and know what God has called the church to be. And so that we can understand and know certain aspects of, of how things are going to unfold in the future times. Things that must take place. Now granted, it's not an easy book. And there are certain elements and details that have not been completely filled, filled, uh, have not been completely filled in for us. There are plenty of, of different views regarding how to interpret a, a lot of this prophecy. But understand that God does not want you to be ignorant about the end. God does not want you to be ignorant about who Jesus is. And God does not want you to be ignorant of what He expects for the church. For those who aren't quite convinced still, He uses a second word. The first word, revelation, apocalypse, it, it means to be made fully known, to be disclosed. And this revelation was given by God for Jesus to show His servants. 
The word again, to show, it has this connotation of making something known, of, of revealing something, of explaining something. And, and it's the word that John uses elsewhere. If you remember the, uh, the story, uh, the account of Jesus after His resurrection, he, he walked into a room, the doors were locked, and all of a sudden Jesus appeared with the disciples. And, and they were surprised. They couldn't believe. You know, is it really you? Is it a ghost? What, what's going on here? And what, do you remember what Jesus did? He took His hands and He showed them where the nails had been. He showed them His side where the spear had, had pierced Him. And that exact same word of Jesus explaining to them, showing, revealing to them, is the same word that's used here. You see, God has revealed His Word in the book of Revelation so that Jesus can show you and I these things. It's the same word that's used in the Gospel of John. And God gave revelation to His Son and Jesus fully intends to provide us with the great spoiler. And the thing is, is that He is the right person to tell the end of the story. If you're still not convinced, John uses a third word. It says that He made it known by sending an angel. And the word means to, the third word, to make known, it means to, um, to report something, to communicate something. You, you turn on, on the news and you're listening to CNN, or you're listening to Fox, or you're listening to any of these other news networks that, that may be one of your favorites or something you tune into, and, and, and they are there to do one job, to report something. They are there to tell you the way things happened and communicate details of, of what's happened in life. That's what they're called to do. And, and that word, it implies providing an explanation for something that's enigmatic, something that's mysterious is the as it's used here. And naturally, events that have not happened yet, they're, they're oftentimes confusing, aren't they? But this revelation that God gave to Jesus has been explained, and He's given it to Him to explain the future. Again, going back to the Gospel of John, John uses that same word three times there. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, we talk about the disciples, and, and did Jesus tell them beforehand what was going to happen? They're on their way to Jerusalem. What did Jesus say was going to happen when they got there? I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised again. And the disciples went, wow, that's amazing. You're going to die. You're going to be raised. We've never seen a resurrection. No. These guys went, I wonder what kind of figure of speech that is. You know, he's talking about dying. He's talking about resurrection. You know, what's he mean by that? And, and we, we read it sometimes and go, why didn't they get it? Why didn't they just read it and say, look, look, He told you ahead of time. But the same thing happens here. And oftentimes I think we do the exact same thing that the disciples do. We look at the book of Revelation and what do we say? What's it mean? How's that going to happen? Does he, is that literal? Is that figurative? And there are figures of speech here, but we look at it and go, ah, I don't think I can understand it. And, and, and we do the same thing that the disciples did. And we say, I... He didn't tell me, but He did tell us. And He did reveal it. And He does explain it. And right here, the Bible tells us that Jesus made known the things that must soon take place. And all too often, just like those disciples, we don't really believe, we don't really believe what, what He's called us to understand. God gave the revelation to Jesus. Jesus made it known to John through a divine messenger, an angel. 
And then just one more time, in case you're still not convinced that this is a book that you should read, that this is a book that you should listen to, if you're still not convinced that this is a book that you can actually understand and comprehend some of the details, let us, re- uh, let us look one more time. In case you're still not convinced, John affirms one more thing. John says, I bore witness. John says, look, I gave testimony to God's Word. To the testimony that Jesus told him. And and John says, I reported everything that I saw. And so as we look forward to studying this first three chapters of Revelation, I'm going to encourage you that all together that we would resolve, that we would resolve together, that we will proceed as we look at the the details of, of what he tells us here with a desire and a purpose to actually understand what he shows us. And that to the best of our opportunity, to the best of our ability, that we will seek to understand what He tells us. So understand that first of all, we have the right person telling the story. But if you're going to get to the end of the story, a great spoiler also must be shown at the right time. When God gave another revelation through another angel to a man named Daniel, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, this happened several hundred years before John gave revelation. And when Daniel was prophesying, this wise sage, he had the opportunity to see visions of kingdoms and prophecies, things that would affect people and the, and the Jews for centuries. And some of these prophecies led up to the coming of the Messiah and beyond to a, a great time of tribulation. And, and here's what, how Daniel describes what God showed him in chapter 9 of his book. He says, I heard, but I did not understand. Do you, do you hear him? Do you ever feel that way sometimes? Daniel says, I, I heard it. But I did not understand. And so then, then I said, oh my Lord, what shall the outcome be of these things? Daniel's curious. He wants to know, Lord, what's going to happen to the Jewish people? You're showing me all these things and I don't get it and I don't understand. What's going to be the end result? What happens after all this? Are they going to survive? And so God sends an angel. And guess what the angel says to Daniel? He says, Daniel, go your way. For the words are shut up. The words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. You see, Daniel's going to wonder about these things. And he's perplexed about these things. And he desperately wants to know and understand. And if anybody's going to understand the book of Daniel in his time, who would it have been? It would have been Daniel. And he says, Lord, I want to understand. But God tells him, says Daniel, these words in this book, they're for a later time. They're sealed up and, and there's a lot of things here that you're not going to understand. The prophecy was closed off until the time was right for it to understand. Interestingly, there's a very similar passage with similar words that's used in the book of Revelation. And if you jump over just a few pages to Revelation chapter 22, at the end of this prophecy that, Je- that God gives to Jesus to show John, in Revelation 22.10, there's a command that's given to John that sounds a lot like what Daniel was told back in Daniel chapter 9. But this time, the angel says to Daniel, he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. You see, Daniel was going to be hard to understand, and the events of Daniel weren't going to be fully disclosed for hundreds of years. But when it comes to the book of Revelation, God gives the opposite command, and He tells John, don't do what I told Daniel to do. Don't seal this up. Don't think that this is for a time that people aren't going to get it for a long time. 
I want you to understand this. I want you to hear this. I want you to know these things. And so do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is near. And then two verses later, Jesus goes on to say, Behold, I am coming soon. You see, Daniel was written over 500 years before Christ and the prophecies were for a time that was much later. And the, the message that John was given after Jesus came the first time was that the time is soon. And so be ready. And then not only this, but Jesus wants you to understand that what He's revealed and shown to to His servant. You know, it's interesting. When Nebuchadnezzar had his dream of the giant statue in Daniel chapter 2, who was it that that made those things known? It was Daniel that came forward. When none of the wise men, none of the, the, the magicians of Nebuchadnezzar, none of them could explain these things, there was a young man, a teenager, maybe, maybe he was 20 years old by that point. He comes forward and, and he's the one that expresses the, the meaning of, of what God had shown him. And he says, a great God, has, and Nebuchadnezzar explained it later, he says, a great God has made known uh, to, me, to the king what shall be after this. And his vision then was, was not for many days. And it wasn't yet. But when Jesus speaks of of the things to come in the tribulation period, again, in in the book of Matthew, Jesus says to His disciples before the crucifixion, He says, not yet. But here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, John echoes Daniel's words, but he expresses a different timing. And he says, God had given him to show His servants the things that must soon take place. And the word soon means just that. It refers to something that will happen in a short time. Now, you, may, you might be asking, Pastor Jeff, didn't John say these words 1,900 years ago? I mean, this is almost two millenniums ago, and, and, and he said soon, so if, if that's exactly what he means, then how come we've been waiting for 1,900 years? And you're absolutely right. You see, some would point to the truth that God's timing is not our timing, and what God considers a short time might seem like a longer period of time to us. And they're right, but I think there's a more satisfying and more complete answer to this. You see, when John says soon, God is showing us that the things that will take place compared to the many ages of man and time, that it's soon today. When Daniel wrote the prophecies, many kingdoms still had yet to rise and many kingdoms had yet to fall before the Messiah would come and save the people from their sin. Much of Scripture had not yet been written. The Holy Spirit had not yet come to indwell believers. The church, a mystery in the Old Testament, had not yet been established. But when John wrote his book, several things had had taken place. The Messiah had, had had already come. He had ascended into heaven. He had promised that He would come back. The church age had already begun. Most of the Scripture, by the time Revelation is written, most of the Scripture, maybe everything except for Jude and and, and 2nd and 3rd John, uh, most of the Scripture had already been written. The final kingdom in Daniel, Rome, was already in place. And the remaining events foreseen by Daniel and Jesus were, were ready to be fulfilled. And today, we are living in the last days and have been living in the last days over this last 1,900 years. The church age is the last days. And the stage is set for the return of Christ and, for the, and the, His return for the church is imminent. The word soon, it does not necessarily mean that the wait is going to be brief, but what it does mean is that everything is ready. Everything is in place and it could happen at any 
moment. It could be today. And you and I need to be ready for it to happen at a moment's notice. The same words used of Paul in Romans 16.20 when he said, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so with the stage set and nothing else required in order for these things to take place, the story is told by the right person. And secondly, he shows it at the right time. But the great spoiler needs more than just the right person and it needs more than just right, the right time. What Jesus revealed must be heard for the right reasons. In order for it to be a great spoiler, it not only has to be told by the right person, it not only has to be told at the right time, but it needs to be heard by its audience for the right reasons. It's really rare that when I come to a book, it's really rare that I want to read the end of the book before experiencing the rest of the story. Some of my children and another member of our family whom I won't name, but I'm married to them, um, they like to skip ahead. And, and I, I'm not talking about just reading the chapter headings, and I'm not talking just about, you know, I'm, I'm, my eyes are, are drifting, and I, I think I can make it another two pages, and so I'm flipping ahead just to see how much more of the chapter there is. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I am talking about coming to a book and, and looking at the last page and reading the entire last page before reading the rest of the book. And... Um, you know, I'm a storyteller, and, and, and so th- it drives me crazy when, when, when we look all the way into the book and, and we read the very ending. In fact, the person that I'm married to that I haven't named, um, you know, she has this unique gift, and I, I, I did ask her for permission to tell this. Um, you know, sometimes we'll rent a movie or download something or however we do it nowadays, and uh, and I'll tell her, I said, we, we've seen this movie before. She says, no, 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 we've not seen that one. And, and we'll rent this movie, and, and she'll respond and say, we haven't seen it. And then halfway in, we'll get to something, and she'll get this look on her face, like something looks kind of familiar. And, and then it comes the question, and she turns to me and she says, this doesn't end right, does it? But that's Okay because she's going to magically wipe the movie from her remarkable brain a few, moment, a few months later, and it's going to be like the whole thing never happened. I, I love this about my wife. We, we, I joke with her about it, but I love this about my wife. We can watch a movie, and if she does not like the ending, she will completely forget the movie. She, she won't remember a bit of it, because she didn't like the ending of it, or it, it just didn't work out. I asked her once why she skips ahead in books, and why she reads the last page. And, and this is what her response was to me. She says, why would I waste my time if I know that it's going to end wrong? You know, as much as I'm a different person and as much as I refuse to do that myself, my wife did figure something out. My wife has figured out and Jesus agrees with her. You see, our story ends right. And our Savior wants you to know that it does. The story ends right and He wants you to know it. You see, it's not an issue of just satisfying our curiosity. If, if Revelation was a book that was written so that your curiosity about end times events could be, could be satisfied, then you don't, you're not going to want to know the end of the story, are you? That would be a great spoiler. 
But that's not the purpose of the book. This is not about curiosity. This is not about satisfying your need to know what's going to happen in the future. Biblical prophecy has not been given to us for the sake of fascinating us. God wants us to hear the great spoiler because He wants to bless you and He wants you to know how it ends. He wants you to know that it ends right. There are three reasons that He shares the end of the story. First, God wants people to read it. He tells us that here. He wants us to read it. And so the next time you come to the book of Revelation and go, ah, that's Revelation, I'm not reading that one. Or it's the end of the year, so I'm going to skim through this really quick and I'm just going I'm to do my daily Bible reading, but I'm not planning on understanding anything. Understand that from the very beginning of this book, God tells you He wants you to read it and He wants you to understand it. And He will bless you for reading it. God wants churches to examine this book. And I believe that the the promise applies to you individually. It it applies to the church. But you will be blessed when you read the prophecy that Jesus has made known in this last book of the Bible. Second, not only does God want you to read it, but also God wants people to hear it. Especially in the days when um, these things were written, a lot of people couldn't read. And so they would read these things out loud and and people would hear it. And, And so it's important that people hear the book of Revelation. Those who are in the audience and those who hear these words, and when you pay attention as you read through it, your personal copy, he tells you, you will be blessed. But the third reason that God wants to reveal this, the ending, is he wants people to obey it. And those who keep what's written will experience God's blessing in their lives as they obey the words of this book. But there's one final motivation behind Jesus showing us these things that's still to come. He reiterates the time is near. It's close. It could happen at any moment, and he wants you and me to be ready. And the book is the great spoiler. And it must be heard because knowing God's plan ahead of time should motivate us to godly living. As you read the book of Revelation, again, in all of its parts, whether it's the part in chapter 1 that's talking about who Jesus is, whether it's the part in the next two chapters that talk about these seven churches, or, or all the parts that talk about things that are still yet to come, it is there so that we can be led and, and, and drawn to a life of godly living as we obey what it says. It should motivate us to sharing the Gospel. As we hear these things, we should recognize that time is near. He could return at any moment and that should motivate me to make a difference in the lives of the people around me. And they need to hear the message about Jesus Christ because if they are caught unaware without knowing Him, the judgment that is in store for them is too much to bear. I have a message to share. It should motivate us to knowing Christ and making Him known. God intends for us to follow Him. And He has opened up a glimpse of the future that we, might, that we might be motivated towards godly living and motivated to persevere. You see, the victory is His. And He wants to share that with us. Now as we begin this new series, dear friend, allow me just a few moments to take a preview of where we're going. In, the, in these first three chapters, Jesus he first reveals Himself. 
He provides for John with, with a vision. Uh, he, he provides John with a vision of his character. He shows him his, his attributes, and specifically, he reveals himself as one who is walking in the midst of the churches. He, he pictures them as lampstands that are holding up the light, and so he shows Jesus as the one who who walks in the midst of the churches. And so we'll first see who Jesus claims to be, and we'll see what his relationship is to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. But after providing this vision of himself, Jesus then writes seven letters to seven churches. And if you've ever read the parables and the stories that Jesus told his disciples, they're, they're filled with imagery, and, and they are vivid and, and exciting. And, and these seven letters are, 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 the, are the same. This is Jesus, the master storyteller, the master illustrator, doing what he does so often. And he shares with us seven letters to seven churches that were in what is now modern-day Turkey. And he says, he says to these churches, he says, I, I know you. I know you. And he says to these churches, I see you. I know your works. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. And I'm going to challenge you that you listen to me on this and, and here's what I want you to do at the church. And then in each of those seven instances, there's an invitation. Not an invitation just to those churches, but an invitation for you and I to listen to the message that he had to that church and to say, how am I like them? How does this apply to me? And so in this next few months, as we look at these challenges that he gives to, to these churches and these conversations that he has with them, it's our responsibility to take these things to heart. And so in these next few weeks, as we take these things to heart, it, it's important that we, that we look at the, the, the world that's changing around us. And again, it's changing in so many different ways. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. And, and as we look at those changes, sometimes it gets a little bit crazy for us. And we start looking at the future and go, what's the future going to hold? What's it hold for me personally? What's it hold for my, my, my freedom? What does it hold for my, my retirement account? I, I have all these great plans for what this next semester at school is going to look like. And it's going to be a breeze. And I'm going to go right through this and then we get into it and go, wow, that was a mess. Work changes. Relationships change. Tragedy strikes. Blessings take place. Good things happen. We don't know what the future holds. And as we, as we look at life and sometimes we, just, we don't know, it's easy for us to lose perspective and to start focusing on the changes, to start focusing on, on, on the tragedies, to start focusing on the things that we don't understand. It's easy to look at all these things and to focus on the blessings sometimes. Sometimes great things happen in your life and God blesses you in ways that you just don't deserve. And sometimes he, the challenge is more so in those times of blessing because you have a tendency to focus on the blessings and forget the one who gave it to you. And so whether it is good or bad, whether things change or stay the same, it is easy for us to lose perspective on what we are called to be and who our Savior is. As we dive into this study, I think it's appropriate at this time as we experience lots of changes that we don't understand to remind ourselves of the one who remains constant to remind us of what He's commanded the churches to be. You see, Revelation is a book that God wants you to read. He wants you to study. And together for now, we're going to study the first three chapters and hopefully we'll study ourselves as well as God opens up our eyes 
And He praises us for the things that we're doing for His glory. And He convicts us for the things that are sin. Because we have the right person telling us a story. And He's shown it at the right time. And so now our responsibility, you and I, as we read the prophecies of this book, is that we would that we would hear for the right reasons. And then we would do what He's commanded us to do. Pray with me. Father, we, we thank You that You've given us the great spoiler. We thank You that You've shown us the end. That this isn't about just fulfilling curiosity of fascinating us, of, of showing us a, a, a fun story of, of crazy things that are going to happen in the future days. We thank You that in the book of Revelation, You've given us words that are there for our encouragement. That, that You've given us words that are there that it would change us. That You've given us words that would help us to keep a proper perspective when life changes around us and when we don't understand the circumstances that we're in. And so, my prayer, Lord, is that You would, that you would use this book to, to teach us not only about who You are, not only about these seven churches that, that, that existed so long ago, but Father, I pray that You would teach us about ourselves. I pray that we would have ears to hear and that we would listen to what You have to say to each one of us. May each one of us look within and may Your Spirit shed light where there is sometimes darkness. And I pray that we would see the things that aren't glorifying You. And might You transform us by Your grace into something that is beautiful and glorious so that our lampstands would be held high and Jesus Christ would be magnified above all else. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We look forward to studying what You have to show us in, in these few chapters here in the next few weeks. Please bless this time and bless this week as we go out from here. Amen.